Well, I'm excited to begin this month. Before I do, it is going to be a really special baptism for me because my son, who's six, is going to be baptized for the very first time. Uh, this week, he finally got it, really got it. You know, he's, we've prayed many, many times before, and it was just like, you know, I was kind of leading him through it. Uh, but this week, something just clicked. It was like a light bulb went off in him, and he really understood what it meant to give his heart to Christ and live for Christ. And so he's going to be baptized today. And I want to encourage you, it's not too late. We've got these gift bags for everyone that's going to be baptized. We got our brand new I Have Decided shirts. Everyone that is baptized today is going to get one of these t-shirts. And there's a a white towel in here and a t-shirt for you. So it's going to be a great day. To us, water baptism is like a wedding ring. You know, the wedding ring doesn't make you married. It's just a public symbol of a commitment that you made in your heart. And when you commit your heart to Jesus Christ, the way we publicly express that is through water baptism. So I want to encourage you, if you've never been water baptized or you've recently really rededicated your life to Christ, join us today. It's going to be a powerful celebration right after service, right outside. Uh, it's just going to be a fun time. And if, if even if you're not being baptized, come and celebrate and clap and cheer for the people that are. It's always great when you're baptized to have a crowd of people cheering you on, welcome you into the family. It really is a powerful, powerful time. So I'm excited to see you out there this afternoon. want to say uh, also, we were, the Operation Christmas Child is in full effect. My son and I, we went to Walmart this week. This is actually what kind of led us into the discussion about salvation. And as, as we were shopping at Walmart this week, and I was just kind of explaining to them what these shoe boxes are, what goes inside, what they, they accomplish and do. And me and him, we prayed over every box and just asked God that each child that received a box would respond to the message of Christ and give their heart to Jesus and go to heaven and meet us one day. Uh, I like doing these plastic shoe boxes because you get these for 99 cents at Walmart. And the kids can really use these for a lot of things. You know, a lot of the kids that, that these boxes go to are in Southeast Asia and Africa and India, and they can use these to carry water. They can use these to protect their belongings. And so I like, I like doing the, the plastic box because it really is a great multi-purpose tool for the kids to make a difference in their life. Yesterday, we had the regional kickoff here at our church, and we had a young 20-year-old girl speak yesterday and share her story. She grew up in Asia until she was about 10 years old, and then when she was 10 years old, she was adopted by a family in Oregon. But for the first nine, ten years of her life, she lived in an orphanage in Asia, and the shoebox changed her life. And I can't show you the entire testimony today. Uh, It just moved us to tears yesterday. She spoke at our prayer meeting at 9 a.m. yesterday, and then again at the regional kickoff. But I want to show you just a couple clips from the story yesterday, because I really want you to understand that these boxes represent a child. It's not just a box, but it really does represent a child that needs Jesus and needs to know their love and they're not forgotten, and there's people that are thinking about them. So watch this story with me as as we get started. There was a 19-year-old woman. She was young, she was single, and she was afraid because she was with child. Um, Like I said, she was single, so there was no um, father in the picture when she came to the place of conceiving her child and Um, That baby was me, and when she gave birth to me, I was in the hospital, and uh, after I was born, she just left me there in the hospital, and um, from that point on, I was moved to an orphanage, and uh, this orphanage became my home for nine years, and that was my home 
I, um, I learned quickly that in the orphanage, nothing was yours. That tangibly, I couldn't have anything that was mine. Or I couldn't call anything uh, as mine. And, um, you know, I, we, the orphanage didn't have a lot of money. They couldn't supply for little things as toys for each and every single one, uh, each and every single kid. Um, they didn't have a lot of money to the point where we couldn't really have our own uh, just daily needs, as in like clothing, as in toothbrush, as in a shower. Um, everything was shared. So you can imagine uh, my daily life. Uh, my teacher had opened the door, and every other kid from my orphanage um, was sitting there in the living room just all excited because the teacher had rounded them up. And I remember just sitting there and uh, seeing this guy, he was very tall, um, and he and his hands held a pile of shoe boxes. And I remember looking at them and, and wondering what they were, and he asked the teacher to see if he could distribute them to all the kids that were there, and to see their faces light up, and to see um, just the joy in their hearts for what they were seeing in the shoe box, because this was the first time we had ever received anything like this. And, I opened it up, and in there um, was a pink journal, pink pens uh, and pencils, toys, candy, but then my favorite was a stuffed bumblebee. Um, this, this bumblebee just caught my attention, and at that point when I held it in my hands, I remember instantly thinking of my birth mom. And I said, Mom, you didn't forget about me. You're going to come back and get me. And it instilled in me that feeling of hope and being like, wow, like I haven't been forgotten. And from that point on, I remember looking forward like to something, something that was going to happen. I just want to say one shoebox equals one life. And just one shoebox. I didn't receive five. I didn't receive uh, two. I received one. And that was enough for me to change my life. I tell you, it's, it's so moving to hear, you know, the different stories of what happens when you send these shoeboxes around the world and the impact they make in the lives of children. I, I want to encourage those of you that are, are joining us in the shoebox uh, project. There's still plenty available outside. Put a photo of your family and write a letter. You know, put a letter in there and let these child know it's not just some big corporation sending them a box, but it's an actual person sending them a box, an actual person that loves them, that's praying about them. Uh, Ed White, who leads this project, his sister has been doing this for 10 years. And the first year they did it, they wrote a letter, and they got a letter back from the child that received uh, the box. And every year they became pen pals, their family and this child. And every year now they send this child a present. The child's now in high school, and, and it's kind of an extended part of their family now. And so uh, take some time and write a letter. Use it to, you know, well, my favorite aspect of this was just taking my son and really teaching my son what this is all about and teaching them that life is bigger than you. And you need to live beyond yourself and really think about other people. And this whole project uh, is kind of what inspired this whole series. It's one of the, the many pieces that inspired the series we're going to begin today on legacy. You know, this summer I had a couple, you know, 
kind of moments this summer. I uh, began my 40th year of life here on earth. I turned 39, and according to the Chinese calendar, it means I'm actually 40, because uh, they start, you know, the first year of your life at year one, and then they go to year two, or we start at year zero. So I began my 40th year of life on planet earth. And not only that, but this summer I celebrated 20 years of full-time ministry, 20 years that I've been serving God in the church full-time. And I began thinking about the 20 years and all that God has done through my life in 20 years and the different opportunities that God has allowed me to be a part of and begin to wonder, is that all there is? You know, is, is that all there is to life or is there more left for me? Like God's allowed me to be a part of some exciting things in the 20 years that I've been here, but is that, is that all there is? Is there anything left? And I began to think about what the next 10 years of my life is going to look like. What's the next 20 years of my life going to look like? And not only that, it began to make me think about our church. Like what is the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years of Coastline Church going to look like? Because here's the truth. If Jesus doesn't come back soon, we're going to hand this church over to the next generation. Like those of us that are here, we're a family. We're in this thing together. The Christian organization is different from every other thing in the world. Like we're not a gym membership here. We're actually a body. We're a family that's doing this together, all contributing, all playing our part. And the question is, what do we want it to look like when we pass it on to the next generation? When we turn this church over to our children and they take it over and they begin to lead it in their generation, what do we want it to look like? What shape do we want it to be in? What, what kind of condition uh, will it be in when we hand the baton over to the next generation? And so the elders and I have been getting together this year, and we've just been praying about what is it going to look like? What is our, our plan for the future? What's the next five years and the next 10 years and the next 20 years going to be like? Because th- this is what I've learned in life. If you don't have a plan, you're going to hit it every time. If you don't have a plan, you're going to accomplish it every single time. You're going to get nowhere in life. You know, I would rather have a plan, aim high, and miss it by a little bit than aim low and not not hit it at all or hit it every time. I want to have a plan. I want to know what does God want for our church? What does it mean for us to really leave a legacy. And so we began to dream, we began to plan, we began to think and, and, and really ask God, God, where do you want to take this church? Because it's not for us. It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with my name or who I am. It's about the future generations that are going to take this over and use it for God's glory. And you need to understand that the Bible that we have from cover to cover talks about legacy. It talks about the life that we live and what we're going to leave for future generations. In Psalm 112, verse 6, it says in your notes, the righteous, the righteous. Now, now let me stop there for a moment. That word righteous doesn't mean that you got it all together. Like you're perfect and you do everything right and, and you're better than everyone else. That's not what the word righteous means at all. Like we, we completely have confused the word righteous. We think righteous is the good person. That, that's not at all what the word means. The word means that you're simply in a right relationship with God. That's what the word really means. Like you're going in the right direction. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you're better than anyone. It simply means you're going in the right direction. It says the righteous will be remembered forever. 
The righteous will be remembered forever. That's what legacy is all about. Legacy is leaving a lasting impression on future generations. Legacy is positively impacting the future. And the goal of righteous living is to live our life in such a way that the generation after us talks about the way we lived, talks about the impact we made and the difference in their life because of our life. And honestly, if you, if you really think about it, that's the goal of every parent in this room. It's the goal of every teacher. It's the goal of every coach. We want to impact the people we work with. We want to impact the generations behind us. And again, it's not for fame. It's not for personal ambition. It's not for our own glory. It's for the kingdom of God. It's for his glory and his honor. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul puts it like this. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you, beg you, Paul is begging you right now. He's pleading with you. He's imploring you. This is not a suggestion. He is, he's begging with you. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. That you would live worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. There's a call on your life. You've been called by God. And he's saying, I beg you. To live a life that's worthy of the calling God's given you. And if you look at the connotation of how Paul is writing this, he's saying it as if we're not doing it. And honestly, many of us aren't. The truth is, many of us aren't living a life worthy of our calling. We're not living a life. We don't even understand that God has called us. We have been called by God. There is a plan and a purpose for us on planet Earth. And some of you during this month, because I really believe this is going to be one of the most significant months in our church history. I think we're going to look back on October of 2014 and years to come and say, God did something that month. God did something in my heart, in my life. He, he changed the way I, I see my life. The, the church changed during that month. Something happened during that month. And some of you aren't going to be able to sleep. This is going to get so inside of you that you're going to stir, that you're going to wake up thinking about legacy and your life and the impact that you're making. And so for those of you that this really just gets under your skin in a very good way, on Saturday, November 1st, we're going to have a legacy dinner. And we're going we're gonna to get together and we're going to talk about how we can partner together as a family to leave a legacy to the future generations. What this church is going to look like in 10 years. How are we going to pass the baton on to our children? And we're going to get together and really discuss and, and plan and dream and see what God is going to do through this. Because as I really began to dig into this, it was like a eureka moment. It was a revelation to me about the whole subject legacy. And I want you to catch this because legacy isn't just because it's the right thing to do. I don't want you to miss this. You know, I'm not challenging you to live a life of legacy because it's the right thing to do. I'm not even doing it because people are going to be helped in the process. Because the truth is when you live for legacy, lives around you are going to be impacted because of your life. But it's not even just about that. It's not even just about it's what God wants you to do. 
But when you really dig down deep on the subject of legacy, you'll discover at the heart of every human being, the number one motivating drive of every human being, according to psychology, is to live a life of legacy, to live a life beyond yourself. Like like when you live this type of life, when you get to this place, it literally answers all the questions of life. Like you breathe differently. You live, you you like, this is what I was made for. I was created for this. This is why I'm here. And it literally begins to answer all the questions of life. And as I began to study, it brought me back to uh, a course I took in college on uh, psychology where we studied Abraham Maslow. And Abraham Maslow was a psychologist that developed what he called the hierarchy of needs. It's, it's the motivating factor of every human being. It's what motivates us. It's why we make certain decisions. And he found that there's five motivating needs of a human being. And he put it together in a pyramid in the sense that you have to have the first level of need met before you can move to the second level, before you move to the third, fourth, and fifth. And since he's passed away, psychology has actually taken and they've developed it into eight motivating needs, eight things that motivate human beings. And this is so powerful because what they discovered really wasn't a discovery. It was just they finally understood the way God wired us and designed us because this stuff had been in the Bible for thousands of years and they're just finally kind of putting words to it. And so I want to show you these these motivating needs, this kind of pyramid of our life so you can really understand what, what motivates us as human beings. Like, like how, what are the needs that each of us need met in our life? And here it is in your notes. The first one, they, they term physical needs. Physical needs. That's the first fill in the blank. It, it's your basic need of air, sleep, food, rest. Those are your biological needs as a human being. The, the needs that you have to be met just to function as a human being. And that's basic, or that's physical needs. The second level of need in the pyramid is safety needs. Safety needs. That's, that's the need to be protected from the elements, to have a roof over our head. It's why we lock the door at night. It's, it's, it's our need for, for law and order and safety. It's why many of us will stay in a job that we hate because of the fear of, you know, just the insecurity of not being able to provide for ourselves. And those are the basic safety needs we have in life. And they estimate, psychologists estimate that 75% of Americans uh, feel like their safety needs are being met. 85% of Americans feel like their basic needs are being met, food, air, sleep. 75% feel like their safety needs are being met. The next level, level three, is what they term love needs or belonging needs. Uh, love needs. That, that's our need to belong. This is why we as human beings join clubs. It's why we join fraternities. It's why we join sororities. It's why social media is so popular. Like we need to be needed. We have this need inside as a human where we need to be needed. This is exactly why people take pictures of their food to put on Facebook. I mean, they have this need that the whole world needs to know what I'm eating right now. Like, like if people don't know what I'm having for lunch, my life doesn't exist. I don't matter. So I've got to make sure everyone knows what I'm having for lunch. I was at Disneyland this week with my son, and I'm standing in line, and a girl in front of me has a drink. It's not a special drink. It doesn't have an umbrella in it. It's just a normal drink. And in line, she's taking photos of her drink because everybody in her world has to know right now at 1.13, 
7.15 p.m., I am having a drink in line at Disneyland. I mean, it was just, that's, that's where this comes from, this need to belong, this need to feel love, this need to be needed. And they say that 50% of people today would say this need is being met. And, and I would say that's probably accurate. If we polled this room today, I would say half of you would say, you know what, I feel like I belong. I feel my love needs are being met. And, and half of you would probably say, you know, I, I really don't feel like that need is being met in my life right now. Here's the fourth thing. The fourth thing is esteem needs. Esteem needs. This is our need to be recognized. Uh, this is our need to achieve something. This is our need to be complimented. We, we want to be complimented. And, and This really comes down to two things. It's what you think about yourself, that self-esteem, and it's what others think about you. And here's the problem. So many of us have consumed our life with what others think about us. Like all of our decision making has to do with what other people, like if my hair doesn't look right and, and, and everything, and, it's, and I'm not dressed right, then other people are going to judge me. And, 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 and we live our life based on what other people think. And so this is free. It's not part of the message. This is for somebody. Let me just say, people who matter don't judge. And people who judge don't matter. I don't know who that's for today, but just, just take that to heart. This is also the reason why uh, every single one of us was stood in front of a mirror this morning. You know, th- th- that's, th- that's this need. We stood in front of the mirror, and guys and girls do this totally differently. Girls will stand in front of a mirror, and they'll see everything wrong, everything that needs to be fixed. Guys, we'll be fat, ugly, and bald, and we can stand in front of a mirror, and at any time, it's like, how's it going there? I mean, we're just like, <laughs> you know, we're just, we're just wired differently that way. And, you know, Maslow said that these four needs, and psychologists say these are our deficiency needs. These are the deficiency needs of our life that have to be met. And what we want to do is move on to the next four. The next four are called growth needs, and that's where we need to live our life because too many people today are stuck in the first four. Too many people are stuck on those first four levels. And let me just say, the goal of our church is to lead you through those first four levels. Like, we want to get you through those first four levels. If, you, if you're struggling to belong, we want, we want you to surround you with a healthy, small group of people that will love you and care for you, where you can feel. And really, if you look at it, the answer to every single one of them is Christ. I mean, God is the answer to all of those needs. Like, if you would just totally surrender to him, every one of those needs will be met in your life. He is the answer. So let's move to the growth needs. The fifth need in the pyramid is what they call cognitive needs. Cognitive needs. That, that is, we have an appetite to understand. We want to know stuff. Uh, that's plain and simple. We want to know stuff. This is why we learn. This is why we read. Uh, this is why we love the Discovery Channel. We want to know why things are made. It's why we watch Duck Dynasty. I mean, there's no value to it at all. We just, we just want to know stuff. We, just, we want information. It's that cognitive need. We want to know why is something made. My wife specializes in this need. She is like the queen of random trivia. I mean, she just learns like the most random bits of information. If there was a game show on random trivia, we'd be a wealthy family because this need is like strong in her life. She just loves to know stuff. Uh, Moving on, we've got number six is what they call aesthetic needs. Aesthetic needs. This is, uh, we all have a need for beauty in our life. This is why we love to watch the sunset. We love to look at the ocean. We love to to look at mountain ranges and nature. This is why Instagram is so popular because we want to make things more beautiful than they are. It's why we decorate our walls. It's why we landscape our yards. And you need to know this aesthetic need is very spiritual. God put this inside of you. God, God put this drive inside of you to make life 
beautiful. That is a God-given thing that he did. And, and where the devil wants you is the devil wants you stuck on the first four on the list. And God wants to move you into these growth needs and get you down the chart. And here's number seven. And for years, number seven was like the, the, the pinnacle of the pyramid. This was like, this was the goal of life. If you had number seven met, then you felt like you were complete. That, that was the satisfaction. They've now discovered there's something greater than number seven. There's actually a need greater than number seven, but for years, number seven was like the number one. And I'm just going to give you the psychological term. Number seven is self-actualization needs. Self-actualization needs. And, and, and there's a greater one, but th- this, is a, this is a very important one. This is simply where you realize why you were made. Like, why did God put you on planet Earth? Why are you here Like, what's the meaning and the reason for life? This is when you self-actualize and you really begin to understand why you're here. This is why we strive to be our best. This is what motivates us to reach our potential. And here's the sad truth. Psychologists say only 2% of people actually get to this level. Only 2% of people actually get here. And here's the reason why it's 2%. It's because people leave God out of the equation. They leave God out of the equation. You can't figure out number seven without God. The only one that can really tell you why an invention is made is the inventor. You can't figure this out without God. He is the creator. And so if if you're in a place where you really don't know why you're on planet Earth, like like you've got a job and you've got a family, but but inside you know it's like there's got to be more than this. I mean, I'm just doing what everyone else is doing. Is, Is this really all that life is about? If that's where you're at, you're in the right place because our entire church is designed to get you here. Like, like literally, the goal of our church is to help get you to this place. This is the entire reason why we created our Discover course. Like, we don't do the Discover course because we need volunteers around here. No, we do it because we're trying to help you, especially Discovery 301, to help you figure out why you're on earth. Because we believe your design determines your destiny. If you want to know what your purpose on earth is, figure out how God made you. How did God wire you? What are your spiritual gifts that God built inside of you? What's your passion and your, your leadership style? Because your design determines your destiny. And as you begin to figure out how God wired you and how God created you and how God put you together, it begins to answer the questions of life. And that's the only reason why we do the Discover course around here is to help you get to number seven, to help you figure out what are my spiritual gifts? gifts. How did God wire me, design me, and create me? And so our goal is to get you into this 2% so that we can get you to number eight. And here's number eight. This is the greatest need of every human being. And psychologists call it transcendence needs. Transcendence needs. This is powerful when you get this. This is the ultimate level. This is where you actually look beyond yourself And you begin to use number seven. You begin to use why you were made and why you were created to impact the lives of other people, to to make other people's life better and different. And you begin to live for others, not out of some obligation, but it's the greatest sense of fulfillment for any human being is to live a transcendent life. That's the very reason why the win of our church, if you ask any of our elders and any of our staff, what's the quote unquote win of Coastline Church, they'll tell you it's helping somebody discover their place on the dream team. 
That's the win of our church. Because I know the greatest way to pastor you is to help you figure out why God puts you on earth and help you find your place on the dream team, using your gifts, making a difference, doing what you were created for, making an eternal impact. That's the greatest sense of fulfillment you'll ever have as a human being. That's why number eight, according to psychology, is the transcendence need. We have t-shirts coming out in a couple weeks for our dream team uh, that, that simply say, I was made for this. I was, it's just a gift. Everyone on the dream team will get one, and it just says, I was made for this. Because that's, that's why we don't have any volunteers around here. You cannot volunteer in our church. It's figuring out what were you made for. What did God create you for? What, what do you do that makes an eternal difference and an impact for the kingdom of God? What were you made for? That's what it's all about. So let me give you the actual definition of transcendence, because that, that's a bit of a difficult word to, to try to figure out. Here's the definition of transcendence. Exceeding usual limits. Like you're going beyond the limits of what you, what, what's normally possible for you. It's extending or lying beyond the limits of ordinary experience. It's beyond comprehension. I love that. Does, does that ring a bell for a certain Bible verse, Ephesians 3.20? Now to him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask, all that you imagine, all that you think. See, this is powerful. Let, let me just say, if you're looking for uh, you know, a calm, you know, meet my needs kind of, let's, let's stay on the first four levels type of church. Let me just say, we want to get you through those first four levels. If you're struggling in those first four levels, our goal, our desire is to help you get through those, to help you experience Christ in such a way. But the real goal of our church is to move you into the growth needs, to move you into number seven. When you begin to discover why God created you, why you're here, you begin to live transcendently, live beyond yourself. And that's why the title of today's message is Living Beyond Myself. Living beyond myself. I want to go beyond. I don't want my life to just be about me. I don't want all that I've done up until this point to be all that there is. I want to see a future that God has for me. I have my wife right now. She, she loves like designing, decorating, and making pictures and stuff. So she's making a picture for my office, and it's just going to have one word on it. And, and the word is simply finish. Finish. Because here's the problem. Too many people got here and didn't finish. There's a lot of people that started the race for Christ that aren't finishing. Because it's not important how you began the race in life. It's how you finish the race. And so let me just say this again. If you're looking for a church where the pastor will give you a nice little message to reflect on and meditate on during the week, uh, let me just say this as, as nicely as I can. You found the wrong church. You found the wrong church. But if you're looking for a place where you can make a difference, where you can see people saved for the kingdom of God, and you can see heaven filled, and you can see marriages restored, and you can see children around the world blessed, and orphans in Mexico taken care of, and a community impact, if you're looking for that type of church, you're in the right place. Because we're not living. We're not here for ourselves. It's not about us. This is the only organization in the world that wasn't built for the members. You need to know something about God. God is more distracted by the people that aren't here this morning than the people that are here. 
See, the Bible says the shepherd will actually leave the 99 that are found to go look for the one that's lost. And as a church, we want to be focused on what God's focused on. We want to be distracted by what God's distracted by. We want to live a legacy type of life for his glory and his kingdom and his place. So here's my challenge for you. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 6. The Bible says, leave your impoverished, confused, miserable life of whatever it is and live. Live. Walk up the street to live a life of meaning. My challenge to you is that you would walk up the street and live a life of meaning. The life that you were created by God to live. And please understand, there are times all of us find us on the first four on the list. Like there's times I find myself hurting and confused and and struggling with those first four needs on the list. And that's very real. And and we want to get through those. But where God wants us to live is a life of meaning. So I'm going to give you three quick starter points to this series. And then we're going to get into it over the next couple weeks. But these are just a couple starter points to get us kicked off today. Number one, love God passionately. Love God passionately. If you want to make a difference with your life, you can't do it by yourself. You can't do any of this on your own. He's the only one that has the potential of your life in his hands. He knows why you were created. He's got your purpose. He's got your reason of being. And he's the only one that can lead you here. This is so powerful that Paul actually used this line of logic to bring people to Christ. Paul actually used this as a witnessing technique. Paul Paul would go to people and say, you know why you're wondering why you're made and why you're wondering that you have all these, you know, he was in this Greco-Roman world with all this Greek philosophy pondering the meaning of life. Paul would actually use this and say, the reason you're wondering, let let me help you understand why you have these questions. There is a story in Acts chapter 17 where the people are worshiping at a temple and the God of this temple was called the unknown God. The unknown, like, like we, we know something's there, but we really don't have all the answers. And Paul came to him and said, listen, I got the answers. I can tell you who this unknown God is. I can tell you all about him. I have a relationship with this God. And so Paul goes to them in Acts 17, verse 26, and he begins to tell them about God. He said, he, God, from one man made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And look at this. And he, God, determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. I want you to think about that. God determined the set time of their life and the exact place where they should live. See, our life isn't random. God years ago saw Aaron Jane. And he said, Aaron Jane, 2014, Carlsbad, California, that's where I want him. So you're not here by accident. You live today on purpose. God strategically placed you in this year and this place. He set the times and he set the exact places. None of it's random. Why did he do it? Going on, Paul says, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. See, the reason God did this is God knew you were going to wonder why. In fact, God actually put that question inside of you. 
The entire reason why you wonder about why am I on earth and why am I alive and why am I here, God actually put that question in you so that you would come to him knowing he's the only one that can answer it. God created you with that question so that you would go to him. And then Paul says, though he is not far. Basically, this isn't a hard process. It's not hard. He'll give you the answers. This isn't difficult to figure out. He's not far from each one of us. And then Paul gives a famous kind of worship song from the Old Testament. He says, for in him, and I would say only in him, do we live and do we move and do we have our being. You're one prayer away from all the answers of your life. All the questions that you've had. You're just one prayer away from discovering everything you've been looking for. This is why Colossians chapter 1, Paul goes on to say, for everything. What does that mean? It means absolutely everything. Above and below, visible and invisible. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. You're not going to discover the purpose for your life anywhere else but in him. Because everything started in him and everything will find its purpose in him. You've got no chance to discover it without him. None. And again, this is the entire reason why we do the Discover Course. Because I don't believe you can figure this out without a spiritual process in a church. I believe God designed the local church intentionally to help people find the answers to this. That's why he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, We are God's masterpiece. God created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why did he create us? So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Do you realize God had a plan for your life long ago? Like he created you as a masterpiece. He designed you exactly the way he wanted to design you for the plan he had for you long ago. He had plans for you long before your parents ever met. He had a plan for your life. You had a destiny for your life and designed you for it. God has a call for your life. And let me say, when you discover that, it makes the problems of life look small. Because if you don't know why you're here, the prob- if all you've got is your problems, your problems are going to be huge. They're going to be huge. But when you, dis- when you begin to discover why God made you, why God put you on earth, th- those problems become insignificant. They become speed bumps. They become little, you know, little things that you kind of got to go through to accomplish your life destiny. I mean, no, Paul had problems. If anybody in the Bible, Paul had problems. And he said they were tiny in comparison to the calling that God gave him. Here's number two. Serve others selflessly. And this is basically number eight, live a transcendent life. Live beyond yourself. And the Bible actually commands me as your pastor to command you to do this. The Bible commands me to command you to do this. Uh, Paul's talking to Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor, and Paul's commanding Timothy and pastors everywhere to, to do this. And in verse 18 of 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul says to Timothy uh, and to all of us pastors, tell them. Okay, Paul, I'll do it. So I'm going to listen to Paul right now. It says, tell them, all right, Coastline Church, I'm talking to you right now. This is for you right now. It's personally. This is not 2,000 years ago. This is for you. I'm telling you right now. Use your money to do good. Use your money to do good. That you would be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. 
And you may ask, well, why should we do that? Well, verse 19, by doing this, you'll store up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that you may experience true life. Next week, Denny, our teaching pastor, is going to really take that and break it down and help you understand that in a very powerful way. I love the way Psalm 112 puts it, verse 9. It says that different difference makers, people that live a life, a legacy, it says they share freely and they give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. That's legacy. They will have influence and honor. My desire for you is that you will be remembered forever. That you will have influence and you will have honor. That your good deeds will make an impact. And and, and let me just say, because there's a lot of confusion about this. This isn't just about being nice to people. It's not what it's talking about. I have a pet peeve. I have a pet peeve. We live in a culture today where we actually believe that every good deed counts. Let me tell you, every good deed doesn't count. Only the good deeds that impact eternity count. Let me say it like this. A full belly can go to hell just like an empty belly can go to hell. It's not just about good deeds. It's about impacting eternity. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because social justice without spiritual justice is not justice. The very same way that spiritual justice without social justice is not justice. The reason I love Operation Christmas Child is because it's not just a box of toys for kids, but inside every single box is going to be the message of Jesus Christ, leading them in a way a child can understand to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. Only the good deeds that impact eternity count. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 6. Don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. And honestly, that's where most of us is at. That's where a lot of charities are at today. A lot of nonprofits, a lot of even church work and church charities. We're just concerned about let's go build some water wells in Africa and let's go feed some hungry kids and let's go do all these, these good deeds. And let me say, I'm not against any of that. I believe that you should not preach the gospel if you're not feeding people. You should not preach the gospel if you're not caring for people. You should not go into Africa and build and, and, and preach crusades if you're not building water wells and giving out food. But it's about both. See, we've gotten to this place where we think that it's just about the food. It's just about the water wells. No, Jesus goes on to say, spend your energy. If you're going to do good, use your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Don't just give your energy to good things for the sake of doing good things. Connect those good things to the gospel. Because only the good deeds that impact eternity really matter. And here's the third and the final thing. Live life intentionally. Live your life intentionally. Because most of us are just kind of living life accidentally. We're just kind of here existing. We're not really planning. We're not really strategizing. We're not really talking about what is my legacy? How am I going to be remembered? This is why we're meeting on November 1st is because we want to get together as a family. We want to talk about where we're going. I feel like one of the things I've done as a pastor that, that I've failed in is I've been undervisioning you. As your pastor, there is a lot more going on around here than you even know about. Like you're making a difference in ways that you don't even know. And we want to make you aware of what you're doing, because at the end of this series, my goal for every single one of you is that what it was said of King David in Acts chapter 13, verse 36. Look at this with me. What it was said of David, it says, 
For when Cody Barnes, for when Michael Clifford, for when Harvey Brait, for when they had served God's purpose in their generation, they went to heaven. They served God's purpose in their generation. They did what God asked them to do. They accomplished their purpose in their exact time, in their exact place, in their generation. And when they did it, then they were done. And I pray that's what it would be said over you. That you serve God's purpose in your generation. I pray that's what it will be said over our church, that we as a church, we as a family of people, we served God's purpose during our generation. And then when we passed it on to our children, they serve God in their generation because of the model and the legacy we left them. See, I would love one day for people to say, let me, let me tell you a story. I need to tell you a story. I need to tell you a story about a group of people. A group of people that got together in the early 2000s. A group of people that built a church called Coastline Church. And I need to tell you about these people. Because my grandmother was a 16-year-old drug addict that that church loved, that church helped, that church made a difference in her life. And I'm here today because of that group of people that was willing to live beyond themselves, that was willing to live for legacy, that was willing to make a difference with their life. I need to tell you about a group of people that, that reached my dad when he was an alcoholic and he was not living right and we almost lost him. And I need to tell you about a church that loved him enough to bring him back to hell. And I have a dad. I need to tell you about a church that, that rescued my brother, that, that reached my grandfather, that made a difference. I need to tell you about a group of people that got together and realized it wasn't just about them, but it was so much bigger than them. Because honestly, that's where you're really going to begin to live life. So psychology tells you is the greatest need of every human being is to live transcendently. The Bible's been saying that for years. So I'm going to encourage you to get there. Would you close your eyes for a moment? For some of you today, what you need most is, is really you need to go back to point number one, the point that says love God passionately. Because the truth is you can't do any of this without him. You can't do it on your, you can't just go out and decide I'm going to make a difference with my life and make a difference. If you want to be remembered forever, Only what you do for eternity will allow you to be remembered forever. You may be remembered for a couple generations for doing a few good things. But if you want to be remembered forever, that has to do with eternity. That has to do with impacting eternity. The only way you can do that is with the help of God. And so for some of you today, the first step you need to do is totally surrender your life to God, to give him all. And this is how you know, is God number one on your list? Is God number one on your list? Is he the number one driving force of your life? Is he why you make decisions? Is he why you plan your schedule during the week? Is he number one? Is he number one? Because here's the truth. If God's not number one on your list, he's not on your list. 
You can't squeeze God in a second place. You can't squeeze God in a third place in your life. You don't want a God that would take second place. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you never make mistakes. It just means you made a decision to put God first and you're trying with all your heart to live for him. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You simply give him your life. That's the starting point. And so I want to ask if there's anyone here today that has never given your life to God or maybe you just need to recommit that decision because it's been a long time since God's been number one in your life. And it's time that you really recommit yourself to him today. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come down to the front. You don't even have to pray this prayer out loud. If you'll pray in your heart, God will hear it. But if you're here today and say, you know what? I really need to make a decision to put God first in my life. I need to give him my life. I really need to do it. Not just talk, not just going through the motions, but I really need to give him my life. With every eye closed, if you want to join me in that simple prayer, would you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with? Right now, just raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate those hands. The prayer is simple. In your heart, the first part of the prayer is just say, God, today I give you my life. I give you my life. The second part of the prayer is, God, Jesus, will you forgive me for the places where I've just made mistakes and missed it? And he will. And then the last part of that prayer is just say thank you. Thank you for giving me a life of meaning, beginning me on that journey. Thank you for for being willing to be my family. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer with me, let me just make it very clear. God does not want to be a religion. He just wants to be your dad. He's building a family. He wants you to be a part of it. I want to encourage you to take one more step. On your connection card, there's two boxes. One says, I'm committing my life to Christ. One says, I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. If you made either one of those decisions today, would you check the box that applies to you? You can drop it off one of the tithe and offering boxes as you leave. And the reason is we want to pray for you. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Uh, You can pick up this book outside. This will get you on the journey of beginning number seven. What on earth am I here for? We've got plenty of these available outside. More important than that, join us at 1230 for our Discover course. We begin Church 101 today. I'd love to have lunch with you. I'd love to meet you. We've got lunch taken care of and child care taken care of. So I'd love to see you down there uh, at 1230. And then lastly, if you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible. This is the most important book you'll ever get, and it will, without a doubt, change your life. So we've got plenty available. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Don't forget water baptism right after service. Uh, It's going to be a great time of celebration today. Father, in the name of Jesus, let us be a people of legacy. God, let us live our lives on purpose. Live our lives intentionally. Understand that you've given us a great opportunity to bring you glory, to, to give glory and honor to your name and to live for you by making a difference in the lives of other people. So let us, God, live a life of legacy where we will be remembered forever, where we will have influence and honor with your help and your power in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a great week, everyone.